Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. About 10 years ago, as I was about to enter seminary, one of my best friends from college, uh, Ruth, was unexpectedly diagnosed with severe stomach cancer. Uh, To make a terrible situation worse and even more challenging was the fact that she was pregnant with her first child. Doctors said that she would have to under, uh, that she was unable to go undergo the radiation treatments uh, until she was no longer with child. The doctors recommended that she abort the baby. Well, as someone who believes in the value of human life already in the womb, that wasn't going to happen. So instead, she went through the pregnancy and gave birth to a baby boy. Uh, She would soon start aggressive treatments to try to make up for for lost time, but but it would appear it's too late. Nothing was working. The whole situation seemed like a bad dream. One of my classmates at the time in seminary had a friend, a friend from work from a, a who attended another church, some non-denominational church in town, and he suggested that a prayer group be started uh, to, to, uh, to form and form to, to pray over her. Now, prayer is good, obviously, but this person had something more in mind. Uh, he thought that if we could all just join together and pray hard enough and remove any talk about, uh, from us about death, uh, any, any negative talk, uh, that all, if we had all had faith that could storm heaven, we could unlock healing power from heaven and save Ruth. Jesus had healed before. If we just had enough faith, we could save Ruth now. Well, it's very tempting. It's very tempting, even for seminary students, because no one wants to see someone else suffer. And if someone says that, that healing and blessings promised to us Uh, from heaven, in heaven, can come to us now, well, sign me up. I'll do whatever I can. But underlying that idea was a presumption, a false presumption of who Jesus is. It's the same false view that's the reason for our gospel lesson today. Our gospel lesson today follows the feeding of the 5,000. The thousands of people had followed Jesus around the Sea of Galilee because he was healing many people, and they wanted to be a part of it. But Jesus leads them around the sea to a desolate place where there's no food. You know, we have this, this Sunday school image in our mind where they're all, they're all just sitting around, and it's a nice day, and, and, and it seems calm, and, and they're all just having a picnic. But this is a, this is a terrible, desperate situation. They've come such a long way, that, and there's so many of them, that if they try to go back now, many will faint on the way home and get trampled and die. They are in a desperate situation. Even the disciples start to get angry and frustrated at Jesus. They're thinking, it's great, Jesus, that you want to teach them God's word right now, but we have something more important. And what's, what's the, the, these five barley loaves of fish going to do anyway that this boy has? So Jesus has them all sit down and calm down. And he miraculously feeds them by multiplying five loaves of bread and two fish. 
But seeing Jesus do this, the people want to take him and, and they want to make him king by force. In other, in other words, they want to keep Jesus and have him keep doing all these things all the time. They want Jesus to keep healing the sick. They want Jesus to be a bread king, to give them this bread all the time. They think that if God would, would just set up his kingdom here on earth, then he's going to give them all the blessings they could ever want and they will always be satisfied. And that's the highest thing. What they really want is heaven on earth. Our ladies' Bible study will get to this in a couple weeks, uh, but they're looking uh, through a book called uh, uh, Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? Looking at false views people have about Christ. That book labels this view, this false view about Christ, the giver of bling. Trust in God, have faith, and Jesus is going to give you all the blessings from heaven now. It's the idea that you can have your best life now. That Jesus' main purpose is to multiply blessings in your life, in my life, and make me prosperous. But this prosperity gospel is not the real gospel. And this view of Jesus is not who Jesus really is. So Jesus withdraws from the crowd. Many catch up to him, and then this discussion, which is the basis for our text, this discussion occurs where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And it's clear he's talking about eternal life. He has come down from heaven, not to bring heaven here, not to make heaven honored, not to set up his kingdom here, but to raise us up to heaven. And amazingly, the people get upset, and they complain, and they grumble. This isn't the Jesus we wanted. We want the good life now. So if this is not what Jesus has come to do, and this is not who Jesus is, then who is he? The people ask this very question. Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? For them, Jesus seems too familiar, too ordinary. They want a Jesus who will give them all the blessings from heaven now, all the healing, all the, all the food, all the money. But when called to believe in him, well, well, now they want even more. They are not content with the Jesus as he actually is, neither as God from heaven nor as man born of Mary. They want a Jesus of their own making. They want Jesus to be a, a new Moses and to give them manna from heaven. But Jesus reminds them that what happened to all those people who ate the manna in the wilderness, they died. They died. They're dead. It seems so foolish to want this. They're dead. But we fall into this too. We fall into this dangerous misbelief when we begin to love the world or things in the world or even people in the world 
more than God. Where we love the creation rather than the creator. And, and sometimes it looks like refusing to trust God uh, in the face of death. Believing that I would be better off on earth than in heaven. When God becomes a means to an end, or when, when God is the means by which I will gain heaven on earth, we exchange the Jesus of the Bible for a giver of bling, a bread king. This is why it's so important for us to keep hearing who Jesus is. Jesus Christ is true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, and he is my Lord. Now, maybe that also seems too familiar, too ordinary. But just consider, my biggest problem is not what I go through in this world, not what I'm lacking in this world, not even hunger, as necessary and, and important as those things are, my biggest problem is sin. And the only way for sin to be absolved is for God's entire law to be fulfilled perfectly. So God becomes man, born of the Virgin Mary, so that He can take my place. God is above the law, so He can't fulfill it, so he becomes man to come under it, to keep it on my behalf. But the punishment for my sin also needs to be paid, and that punishment is death. Well, God can't die, so he becomes man in order to die. But it's not just my sins that he has to take care of, it's the entire world's sin. So Jesus can't just be true man, but he also has to be true God. He is God and man. And in all this, he trades places with me. And he is also, as we confess, my Lord. Now usually when we think of a Lord, we think of a ruler, someone who subjects the ruler, uh, someone who subjects the people to rules for their own good and, and gives them things. That's what the people want. They want to make him a king. But when we call Jesus Lord, we mean something much better, something much more profound than a bread king. In the biblical context, the word Lord means redeemer. The word Lord, in the biblical context, means redeemer. Someone who buys back that which was condemned. This is far better than any bread king. Jesus' mission, his, his first and more, most important work, is to forgive our sins. And if we have the forgiveness of sins, then we have eternal life, and we have salvation. That's worth more than anything that I can hold on to in my lifetime, or even a thousand lifetimes. That is the most priceless treasure. Jesus has not come to make heaven on earth. Earth is not heaven. And Jesus is not our bread king. He is our redeemer. So what Jesus did with the feeding of the 5,000, and this is so important to understand, what Jesus 
did with the feeding of the 5,000 is not give them everything they wanted. He didn't give them enough for the, for the rest of their lives, but he gave them simply enough to go home. He gave them enough simply to go home. My friend Ruth was graciously given enough to go home. She died a wonderful example of faith in God and trust in heaven. And even in her darkest moments, God provided what she needed. This world is not our home. Like the Israelites who wandered for 40 years in the wilderness before they got to the promised land, or the, and the 5,000 who were led into, into the wilderness, uh, that wilderness was not their home. But even there, in the, even in desolate places, even in, in dangerous times, even t- in times of affliction and despair, Jesus provided what they needed to go home. And so he does for us. In seasons of deep violet, Jesus gives a little rest, a little joy, a little rose. He allows us to rejoice because we do have everything we need. So now apply that to Jesus' words. I am the living bread which has come down from heaven. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Jesus does actually multiply bread for us every Sunday. And he brings us blessings from heaven. But this is far different than the the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel has no room for death or suffering. But here, the real gospel is that Jesus, through his suffering and death, by multiplying his presence in bread and wine, is with you in suffering and death. He abides with you. Jesus, who is God eternal, and who is also born of the Virgin Mary, and who is your Lord, feeds you with himself. He is your reprieve, your rest, your food, your strength to make it safely home. This is why Christians partake of the Lord's Supper. He who eats Jesus' flesh and drinks his blood has eternal life. So who is Jesus? He is your Lord, your Redeemer. He is the bread of life. And he is here for you today in his flesh and blood to give you enough to go to your eternal home. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be forevermore. Amen.